0: G'day, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Guitar Wank podcast. I am your host with the most, Troy McCubbin. Thank you for spending your time uh, with us. This is Guitar Wank, what is it, 174, episode 174. Now, if you were paying attention, we missed last week, and we missed a week, a a couple of weeks back. Um, I have no excuse, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, it's just... Crazy summertime, well, going into summer, school break, just busy times and uh, catching up on everything, but uh, hopefully we can rectify this problem, rectum this problem and fix it. But uh, anyway, we're going to move forward, 174, this one's a doozy, we have a special, oh my God, super special guest today. You're not going to believe who we have. This is uh, something I've been waiting for a long time. Uh, You guys, without knowing, you've been waiting this for a long time, and uh, this is pretty amazing. This is amazing stuff. I cannot believe we have this man in the studio today. Um, He's one of of the greats, an amazing guitarist. Uh, You all know him. You all love him. Some of you hate him, but most of you love him, I think. Uh, We have Mr. Scott Henderson. Yes! One of the official Guitar Wank members has been uh, compelled to come back and bless us with his knowledge and wisdom and everything else he has to share with us today, so I'm excited to share this episode with you. I know I probably let all of you down with that big build-up there, but anyway, it was fun. Uh, Scott comes in and finally talks about his album, and uh, yeah, it's very exciting stuff. I've had a listen... Uh, The playing is ridiculous. That's all I can say. It's just ridiculous playing. Uh, You guys should get it. The album drops on July 1st. You can get Scotty Henderson's. It's not called Scotty Henderson, but uh, it should be. People Mover, Scott Henderson. The artwork is amazing. The album cover is awesome. As, of course, it always sounds amazing. And, uh, yeah, he's... He's t- he's everything. He's just, Scott. Just fuck. <laughs> he plays really well. Ah, uh, he's not bad. Not bad, Scotty. Anyway, go check it out. People mover, July first, at all your music outlets. Whatever, check it out. And anyway, so we sit down with Scotty Anderson. Um, a big shout out to all my Aussie um mates. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to think of another word, but that's the word I am programmed to use. Mate, 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 mate. All my Aussie mates down there, thank you so much for looking after Mr. Bruce Foreman. Brucey Foreman is down there right now as we speak, and uh, the reports I'm getting back from friends and people that have been to his shows are amazing big thank you to all the Aussies down there that are just making Bruce feel uh, amazing and he's having a great time um, yeah he's he's loving it and he's questioning why am I here in Los Angeles when I could be living in Australia I question that too but anyway I'm so glad that uh, my Aussies mates down there musicians are looking after Mr Bruce Foreman they're loving him down there and um now uh you know he could probably get off the the antidepressants and that now because he's feeling really good about his playing and everything else but big thanks to all the aussies down there for looking after bruce foreman big shout out to marcus mate thank you so much daryl mckenzie thank you so much david i know you're a listener you picked up bruce from the airport i think in melbourne and set up a, a red guitar show down there thank you again for that Uh, Kippo, thank you Tony Clabro and all the people in the valley, all of the home in (laughs) Trelgan if you live there you know what I mean Uh, but thank you to all those people for making Bruce so welcome and uh, for feeling yeah, really good about uh, everything, he's he's kicking ass down there and uh, having an amazing time and all he keeps telling me is why are you guys so nice, everyone's so nice and so lovely so um, yeah, awesome. So he's still in Sydney. He's in Sydney right as we right are you listening to this? <laughs> That's great, great English there. Right are you listening to this? Right as you are listening to this podcast, Bruce Foreman is in Sydney Australia and he's got a show with Danielle. Go see him, look it up, find out where he's at, go find out where he's at. He's then I think he's there for another five days or something. Check him out. Track him down. Go have a beer with Bruce. He'd love it. So uh, thank you to all my Aussie comrades, mates, pals, fellow musicians in Australia for um, showing so much love uh, for the Bruce Foreman. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear all the stories when he gets back. Okay, enough of my bullshit. Uh, let's get into it. This is Scotty Henderson, Mr. Bruce Foreman, and myself, and catching up. And uh, it was a good one. It was a lot of fun. So p- sit back and enjoy. People Mover drops July first. Scott Henderson, go check it out. It's ridiculous guitar playing as usual we expect from Scott. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. And uh, yeah catch up then all right have a good one and be safe and uh good on good on you to all my mates in Oz Uh, really appreciate that a lot of guitar wankers in Australia looking after the foreman at the moment so good stuff all right guys we'll catch you all next week and uh be safe
1: That too, okay. you know. My daughter got an agent, which is amazing. She got. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't is, give yeah, yeah. Her. She got <laughs> That's
0: awesome. Yeah, Good she's Tell be, you know I hate her uh, even more
1: voiceover and theatrical agent. So you know, hopefully, get agent? some work. Hopefully, um, she can start paying BBA for herself. talent. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I know that. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. Hopefully, you know, that'll get her some work, and she's been what? super involved in theater this whole, you know, for the summer so far. She got a lead role in her new theater production,
0: so it's great watch us grow a big show, man, and you'll never have to work or leave you it know and do it That's kind of what we're yeah. hoping. Why, isn't that the whole thing? Josh Smith yeah. and Scott yeah, Henderson, right. they just live right. off their children. Yeah, now. and that's
1: I'm totally happy to live off of
0: <laughs> And then she's like, "Then she's like, nah, Dad, you're not getting any of the money. I'm divorcing my parents. She's
1: already said that. <laughs> I said, I'm, I can't wait for you to get some work so I can get a new refrigerator. And she says, I'm not
0: buying you a refrigerator. <laughs>
1: She's already smart.
0: Yeah, she knows, yeah. man. Yeah, she knows. She's gonna be living on the hill, looking down at you. Mm-hmm. She's gonna be <laughs> yeah. up the holly- she'll all she'll be giving, all
2: of- giving you a, like an allowance, like you did yeah. her? Right? Yeah, just like She's that, gonna forget about bucks, all the little people. Ten, ten bucks a week—that sounds about right, Dad.
0: <laughs> man, you actors get a good job. I mean, it's yeah. hard to get, but if you get it, you're set, man. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's right. Well, there you go, Bruce. You on?
2: Well, I guess I should have had. Wow. A, I guess I should have had a kid. Then it turns.
0: <laughs> out. You should, well, you have to pay for it. Mm. Yeah. Dude, I gotta say, Scott, how did you come up, Scott Henderson, our guest today? Oh, have we have we started? <laughs> yeah, we've started. Oh cool.
2: well, like yeah. How long's it back, been? Scott. Wow, what so a while, man. Introduced it's not, yourself. It is not my fault. No, I know Did busy. you remember you know, how to get here? <laughs> I did. T-
1: you know what? They closed off the Burbank exit. You know, it's closed off, so I had to go up to Oxnard, (laughs) and then I thought, oh, this should be easy, so I just took the first street, and then I looked at my compass, and I'm going east, and I'm going, wait, I want to be going south to Burbank, so I totally got lost, but not because if the right exit had been open, yeah. Yeah, you know what, though? I mean, it's just been one coincidence after the other, man, you know, because everybody knows Bruce doesn't live in L.A., so when he comes down, and I'm not here because I went on the road, and then I was mixing, and yeah. then I, blah, 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 and it was just one weird coincidence after another that we couldn't make it happen, so uh, it's not like I did it on purpose.
0: Well, you're, and you're busy with your album?
1: Yeah, well, mostly busy on the road because I was gone for a while, and then and then the next time I think I was gone, and uh, which is another reason why I never it took so long to do this record in the first place because I had to do it just when I'm home and, and a lot of road stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah leave even again in a couple weeks. I heard amazing things on the road. I heard such great feedback from your shows. You know what? We had a pretty good tour. Yeah, It was
1: all right. Yeah, yeah. It started bad. <laughs> <laughs> like You know, it was so funny. The very first gig, we walked into this concrete bunker. <laughs> In where? <laughs> concrete floors, concrete... Roof, concrete walls, where was ceilings this? about ten feet high. Oh wow! So it's going to be one. It's one of those clubs where like the softest jazz trio in the world would give you a massive <laughs> migraine headache. <laughs> <laughs> Guy, you know, Archie hits his snare drum, and I'm like, oh no, oh, please! <laughs> so you know, we bought uh, earplugs. Oh right! And for the first time, I played a gig with earplugs. It was horrible. Like you know, I just was this like, in
0: Germany? Where was it?
1: I I think it was. I don't even remember now. It might have been in Netherlands. I can't remember. Oh, wow. And then the first two or three gigs were pretty horrible sounding rooms, and then it got better. Then it got we got lucky. Yeah. And all the other gigs were really nice, good, good sound uh, and, and good, yeah. So you guys started. Sound, it didn't go
0: from good to worse. It went from it worse went to really
1: to bad to, <laughs> to, to good to really good. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I am really f- convinced now after so many years of doing this. That if it's a good room and the sound is good, we're gonna play great. Yeah, it's all about the sound. Yeah, you know, for I think for everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, well, if
2: you're comfortable, you play yeah, better and you're, you're happy. Yeah. You're well, why do you want to make noise
0: just, that sounds like you know, ass to your ears? You know, <laughs> you know, like money, every yeah. time you play money, the guitar, money, money,
2: yeah, money. Well, well money, money is the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I just go back <laughs>
0: to that
1: the thing that Kenny Werner said in his book, you know, Everest Mastery, where he says. The first thing you do is sit down at the piano, and of course, he's a piano player, Acoustic right? piano And part. you sit down at your perfectly tuned Steinway <laughs> uh, you know, grand piano and play a note and go, isn't that the most beautiful tone you've ever heard? And then you can just play your ass off, and I go, "Motherfucker, drive me an electric guitar player and say that." Oh my God, <laughs> I play man. one note and you just go, "This sounds like ass." <laughs> and then you're just expected to play like a master.
0: That's <laughs> amazing. And it changes all the time, whereas we've talked about it a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, dude, the <coughs> album. I want to ask about the album cover. Um, where did you come up with that? wow you know i forget because um, it's it's so it's so fusion and so epic it's fun it's yeah really we, cool. we just me and angela built
1: this we i bought a, a squire strat yeah In in uh you know just for 100 bucks off ebay right and then and then i bought a model kit and we just put all these
0: hold on this is a real guitar it's, yeah it's, it's not it's a,
1: it's a real guitar so yeah. this really exists it's a photo yeah Oh, yeah. that's awesome. So it's a photo of a guitar with a bunch of, of you know, model pieces from a
2: spaceship glued on it.
1: <laughs> and, and then, um, I'm going to close this because it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get it. That stinks. You're
2: going the other way. Watch your fingers. Okay. Yeah, thanks. And then, um,
1: and so then I had a photographer come over and shoot the guitar, Right. you know, which... Which was a really funny photo shoot because, you know, to come over to shoot a model in my house. Yeah. She put up all the black backdrops and stuff and shot at a million angles. And then we picked the one and I sent it to the artist. And I worked with the artist over the phone and email for about two months. Right. Just, like, getting it. The details. No, this isn't right. No, this isn't. And luckily, man, this guy, Brett Linford, he's the most fun guy to work with he's great and uh, we just sort of you know kept tweaking it until until it looked right
0: dude fantastic yeah, it was you, fun you know what you, I think you should release posters I would like to make
1: a
2: poster of it because it's such a good picture
1: oh, so I would badass. like to make
0: some posters of it because when you,
2: you look can make at poster it, um, blanks man so you could just like fill in the information for the gig uh-huh you know yeah. them you I know, love whatever. that yeah the disco <laughs>
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, they're up there. They're up there, like having a shindig.
0: It's it's really you know when I saw this, it reminded me of for some reason reminded me of a Jeff Beck album, like that coming up with something like this. Mm-hmm. I, I I thought it was really good. It's fun. You killed it, man. You knocked it out of the park because I think that's so hard to do.
1: And that icon right there, yeah, was given to me by an icon artist, um, who. Who made those? Like something like twenty years ago. Really? And I have the whole set because I'm an I'm an I don't know if anybody knows I'm an icon collector.
0: You're an icon collector. I
1: actually do collect them. I have like a, a collection of over like fifty thousand icons, Mac icons, and I just love them. You know, they're just fun because I use them for you know different things on my computer, and and there's so many different cool sets. So this this is one icon of about I'd say. I think it's maybe a 25 icon set of these little space creatures, you know, and they're really cool. And he said, you can just have them for free. and I couldn't believe it. Wow. So I thanked him on the, on the record. And, uh, yeah, that was a, a, a cool little thing that he gave me. <laughs> no,
0: almost no organized religion, cult or sect was used.
1: Yeah, this. we did make fun of some religion on this record. Yeah, yeah.
0: Man, congratulations. And you've seen it my Facebook awesome. post,
1: right? You know, I've been on a complete war with Trump and the evang- evangelical Christians. I've been I haven't seen
0: a, all of them. I saw a couple, but... you, you be- see my aristocrat one? That's no. the best one. Oh, I gotta see it.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I did this thing where you know the aristocrats, you know that joke.
2: No, that, you don't know the yeah, aristocrats you don't know the joke, joke, the
0: aristocrat.
1: Oh, it's awesome.
2: They even made a movie of it. Yeah, what is it? Oh God, it's it's okay. You want to tell the joke? Go ahead. Go ahead. It's, I mean, there's a million variations, but basically, you know, there's just talent scout, right? You know, and then. Uh, and he's seeing all these acts and this one guy comes in, well, I got this act. what is it? And he comes in there's all these people and like they, you know they like start getting in a fight and then they start fucking each other and then they like leave a shit in the corner and then they spill everything you know they get like open jugs. they're just like spilling shit you know and just like they, the, the agent can't believe it. They're just trashing his office and the most disgusting, vile people he's ever seen. And he just goes, wow, this is really weird. I don't think I can... You know, what, what, what do you call this act? He goes, oh, the aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> and then they made a movie where all
1: these comedians... And yeah. a lot of
2: them were funny because
1: they're mainstream com- uh, comedians like Bob Saget, yeah. who doesn't cuss on TV. Yeah. And some of those guys... Told the most vile stories, <laughs> like you know, yeah, my wife comes it out, out and yeah. shits on my face, yeah, and then right, my yeah. son comes out and pees on me, and then I pee on him, yeah, right. and then oh, what do you call it? The aristocrat. So it's always the same punchline, <laughs> right. but all these actors, they come up with the most disgusting yeah. shit. Now Sarah Silverman turned around; she had the best one. She came up and said, "Well, I come out on stage, and my family comes out, and we all sit at a table, and I go bake an apple pie." And then I put the apple pie on the table, and they all, you know, get a slice of the apple pie, and eat it, and then go off to bed. And that's the, that's the act. And the agent says, well, what do you call it? And he says, the cock-sucking shit fuckers from... <laughs> 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 so my thing was like, uh, you know, a, a guy walks in... Oh, no, a large group of people walk into a booking agent and say, well, we've got this act. This is what's the act about? Well, it's it's a kind of a political cult type of thing. You know, we all kiss the ass of this fucking vile piece of shit that we call a president. And, you know, we do this and we do that and we do this. And we all jerk off on Mil- uh, Melania's fake tits, you know, because she likes to pose naked. You know, but we think she's the classiest first lady ever. Ever, right? While we're jerking off on her fake tits, you know. <laughs> and finally the the booking agent says, "Well, what do you call this act?" You know. Or he goes, "That's one hell of an act. What do you call it?" <laughs> and, and they go, "The Christian Evangelists."
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, you lost your mind.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm having a constant constant battle with uh, Trump supporters
0: and Christians
1: not not
0: real christians but no you, those kind of christians yeah we those know those kind of christians those kind of christians
1: yeah the kind of christians that are like all up in arms but about do you gay find, gay right and it, abortions and that kind of shit
0: i i stopped doing that whole thing online cuz it's just it's a never ending you're never going to win no but I like it's
1: comedy to me alright like okay. when they come back to me with their anger and misspelled words and, you're and like like you're gonna go to hell Y-O-U-R <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just so you, love it you're yeah. like Ricky Gervais because he does the same thing on Twitter he just yeah. revs them up and just, I just eggs like, them on yeah, I
1: just like to egg them on and rev them up and just get them pissed off and they dig their own hole shit. all
0: the time yeah. I mean it's fucking amazing yeah
1: I mean you can't make that kind of shit up like when you see the Trump rallies and they see him interviewing people
0: and they say <laughs> the most amazing
1: shit and you go you know Hollywood writers should really take notes because they can't they don't often come up with shit that funny no you know, no it's like it's, you, you yeah. can't make that kind of shit
0: up it's just hilarious it's unbelievable it is unbelievable what we're going through yeah. but i i, I i'm, I'm <laughs> super excited to hear the album man well um, i'll be like it dude um oh, when's man. the official is it official release uh, july 1st july 1st mm-hmm. and where I can everyone get second
2: where are oh, you leaving on the second yeah, yeah yeah it's probably a good idea
1: <laughs> yeah yeah get out of town before the shitstorm starts before I get all this hate yeah, before mail. Before the reviews happen, you yeah, get out before of Before town. the reviews happen and, and, and I get all this hate mail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's the disco? The disco, where'd you get the picture? Like,
1: He actually made that. That's that's why I'm saying this artist is so good. He actually, that's actually... Photoshop. It's Photoshop, but those are three different layers of people in that disco. And if you look really close, you can see all the detail that went I know. into it. He's so good. And that's why I really should make a poster of it, because it's very detailed work that I wish albums were still going, because it would be much, no, it much be much better to be bigger. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm even thinking about maybe doing some vinyl, because oh, I'm yeah, getting totally. so much request
0: for it. You should, man.
1: I don't know what in the world a profit margin is on vinyl. But I, you
0: charge like 50, 60 bucks an album. I guess you'd have to, because
1: yeah. it, it's expensive to make and ship. So you'd have to sell it for pretty a lot. It might be something I'll do, you mm. know, because why not, man? He mastered it on tape like he always does, and and you know it went to tape before it was, was dude. Um, you know we got to thank you. Oh yeah, and I actually spelled Bruce's name right this time. Oh, oh man. Yeah, now they'll know who like, I am. What the Whoa. hell,
2: right? Dude, oh, there goes there's, there's, right. there goes my career. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, thank you so much. Yeah, this is this man. is amazing, yeah. man. This is so cool. I'm excited Now, for this episode, could we play a track off
2: this? Yeah, we won't. Or you I, don't I, want if to? You,
1: if you play it after June, July 1st, It won't sure.
2: come out yeah, because won't come we, in, like, this week's has already went up, right? No, it hasn't, but uh, I won't do
0: this week. Okay. I Actually, do I don't week.
1: know if you should play a whole track.
0: Do half a but, snippet?
1: Yeah, a snippet or like something. Like 15 seconds. Yeah, something like you like, whatever the, you like. Yeah,
0: they, yeah can, sure. they, can, they can buy the album, but... Oh, sure july 1st where do we get it uh cd baby or
1: amazon or itunes or
0: any of those places where where dude how exciting yeah i know bruce bruce texted me he's like dude scott's album wow oh i'm glad he likes
2: i i
1: told bruce like coming from somebody like him that's a huge compliment man because jesus
2: christ no, it's really epic it's epic It's 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 great you know it's it is really uh an amazing piece of work and how do you have a favorite track scott or not are you sick of them all now i'm
1: sort of so close to it now i can't i'm trying not to listen to it because I'd like maybe a month go by before i hear it and because i know i'm gonna hear stuff
0: that makes me mad (laughs) I, i always do are you performing the whole album Mm-hmm. live Are you going to be doing the album live I mean, on this tour We already play a, quite a bit of right. music off of it
1: um, yeah i was thinking about adding another tune from it for this tour but this tour is so short i just right. maybe in september when we go out for longer then yep. i'll add another couple of tunes yeah my, um, my
0: friend ulf was in sweden and he saw you and he heard some of the new tracks and he was just like wow Oh, great. He was in, he was a Yeah, nerd.
1: you know, some, there, there's a couple that I can't play live because I went nuts with the layering, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, when I go overboard and put on too much, then it makes it impossible to play live. But most of the tunes have a main guitar part and I can play it live.
0: Did, um, and did you, Nay last time we talked, you were looking for different pedals and stuff. Did you use a lot of pedals on this album? Oh, man. You went everything nuts. I have. Really? Yeah. A lot of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that's what most. Uh, that's that's what takes the most time. That's yeah. why. It, that's why these kind of things are so hard. Are hard and they take so much of your time because you sit there literally for hours just dicking with sounds. Yeah. And yeah. for every for every note you play, you probably spend, you know, hours just like turning knobs and trying to make something happen. And it's so hard.
0: Now, did you have did you have the songs and the ideas already down before you went into the like trying to find the sounds? We played the whole thing live
1: in the studio, so we knew all the music. But but um, no, actually that's not true because the guys played actually to some sequences. Yeah. um, And then I just played the solos live. Right. You know, but they played to the sequences, and and then we just we figured out how long do we want these solos to be. And then sometimes we would have cues where we would just, you know, play a solo and then stop and then cut back into the tracks that were on the computer. Right. But
0: all the improvisation stuff is live. But and, did you, you know, when you're trying to find sounds, did you already have the song and then, and then you went and found the sounds? Yeah. Or was it the yeah, sounds because, and because then because the songs? When I
1: played live, all I had was just Standard. one sound. Right. Okay. I, had, I was playing through an IR yeah and oh that's really what i was telling you i was really disappointed yeah. in it yeah um because you know when we did vibe station i brought my cabinet and i i remember talking about how i had to turn my amp down to one yeah and it sounded horribly thin because all i had is a hundred watt head turned down to like <laughs> one half really right and it was still loud and the engineer was saying man i mean it's bleeding into the drum tracks like crazy and i was like really like mm. I've you know I'm on half. <laughs> I, I should have brought a tweed. Yeah. You know, so this time I thought, okay, I'm gonna bring John's load box and and an IR and just do the session with an IR and then maybe I'll be able to keep a lot of the stuff that I play. Yeah. And it just didn't work out right. when I got home and and then plugged into my real amp, I was just like, oh my god, you know, real amp made the still I, IR sound like just a turd. Yeah. So. I figure, okay, I'm just going to have to redo the whole thing. And the, I kept some stuff from the studio, but nothing, nothing important. Right. You know, just little utility parts and this and that that I could EQ. But the IR, man, what I, you know, because I, I do these tests for my friends because a lot of my friends have studios where they can't turn up. And they, they're always asking me, well, what's your favorite IRs? and, have you, and So I do a little of experimentation for them. And i the two best sounding IRs I've found so far are the Celestian Balance mm-hmm. and it's the other one's called the Celestian Bright. And they're both greenbacks mic with a fifty seven. Yeah, And they the the balance is pretty dull and the bright is really bright. Yeah. And if they had it just one done in one in the middle, you know, and I'm thinking, well, why didn't they do what own hammer does at Celestion? Like, yeah. you know, usually they u- they move the mic just every, just a half an inch from the cone to the edge of the speaker and you get 10 different, different samples so, of, yeah. and Celestion gave us two. And mm. I'm like, come on guys, like if you're going to spend all the time, why don't you just do 10 samples so that we can pick our favorite mic placement as far as dark or bright. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like if they had a made one in the middle, I might have been able to get away with using it and eqing it to sound halfway decent. Right. But to try to make it sound like my real cabinet, I would have had to eq the living shit out of it, and then you know you really can hear. Then you can. Then you start to lose shit. Yeah. It starts to sound eqed and artificial. Yeah. 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 So so yeah, I didn't. I I wasn't again able to use much of what I played. Yeah. You know. And what? then when I overdubbed, I had to be true to what I played in the studio anyway. So basically what I end up doing is just copying what I did in the studio. Was that... Pretty much.
0: Even with improvisation
1: stuff? Especially with that, because <laughs> that's what they react to. Right, yeah. You know, and if I just lay down a completely different solo, then it makes them sound like they don't know what they're doing.
0: So you were basically so relearning your shit again.
1: Relearning a lot of my shit. And then if I didn't like something, i play something different or, or just... You know, what I did basically, and I think what most people do when they're in this situation, is you listen to the solo a bunch of times so that you know it. Mm. And then and then you sort of know when the drummer's going to do something and you play into it. Or yeah. you play with him and you sort of like, it may not be the exact same solo, but rhythmically it's pretty close. And even if you end up playing different notes, you're playing those same rhythms and... and, and it feels like you're playing to them just like they played to you. right. And yeah. in that way it all works. And yeah. it, it, sounds, it sounds you know like you're all in the same room together. Yeah. And a lot of times I did actually copy exactly what I played, yeah. just with better tone. Yeah. yeah. And I guess you know some people, I guess, would see that as a chore, but I kind of look at it as an opportunity just to make the guitar sound cool, and, and I, I kind of like it. It's fun
0: so that's why you got to be like you know a scientist and go in there and mess with different pedals and different yeah that's cool
1: yeah because because i try to use different pedals on different solos and different pedals on different tunes to make each song sound a little bit different yeah yeah i mean i think most guys do that i know from listening to mike um who's one of my big influences when it comes to like layering guitars on top of each other he's so good at playing with the sound that he has Mm. and I love that about him and especially like Zolinal, who is a guy that I never ever heard in my life play notes that didn't actually sound appropriate to the sound he was using at that time right like if he's got an accordion patch up he's gonna play like an accordion player yeah you know if he's got this patch up he would never play a line or do anything that's out of context of that sound. And right. Yeah. I
0: really respect he, that. He really marries the part and he the sound. He
1: marries whatever he plays to whatever sound he's yep. using it. And Mike is the same way. I've always thought Mike as the Zawinil of guitar. guitar when yeah. I see him play live. Yeah. And I just, I love that, that, that you can have so much restraint <clears throat> because your, your instinct is to play all the shit you know with the sound that you have because you, you have all these chops and you can just play everything you know with whatever, but these, some of these guys, they have a sound that doesn't lend itself to playing fast or playing, playing this or that or this style or that style, and they just limit themselves by what the sound is. So they right. would only play things that are appropriate for this sound. Yeah. And I remember jo- uh, Joe told me one time, and it stuck with me, he said, never ever doodle. Like never doodle. And no. I've been a
2: doodler. <laughs> you know, where you
1: just pick up your guitar and you're not really playing music. Mm. You just pick it up and you go gank 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 just yeah. to check out a sound. Gang, gang, gang. He said, No, don't ever do and he stopped me. And he stopped Kinsey one time too, when Kinsey was working with me. He said, don't ever do that. You know? What? He says If you're gonna you're- play, play. Yeah, you're not playing. You're just doodling.
2: Right. Don't doodle. Oh, oh Joe would have loved Facebook. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. yeah, he would be spinning in his that's, grave in an RPM. Oh my god. Wow, yeah. that's that's a really you interesting said, you thing. You know, if
2: you've got a sound, yeah,
1: play some music with that sound that that's, you have and make that, 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 that sound. That's that's
2: even true really, if you're just yeah. sitting in your room with your guitar. Exactly. you pick it up, don't just like mindlessly play licks. You know, play music. Yeah. You yeah. know, like get a sound. I mean, that's the one thing about that effortless mastery thing that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of Kenny Warren in that book, I think it's a great book, mm-hmm. but it's coming from the perspective of a basically a musical savant. I mean, he's he's a brilliant child prodigy, he probably had enough skill before he even started that, you know, that none of us will ever have. So a lot of his stuff can be kind of like oversimplified, you know. Yeah. Um, or not quite in touch with those of us that have to actually work at it. <laughs> right, But right. But the when he talks about things like, yeah, when you sit down and you hit that instrument and you listen to it and you feel it, you know what I mean? And you remind yourself that you're actually in the process of playing music. Right. Even you just picked up your guitar, it's not warmed up, you're not warmed up, and you're just starting to get sounds together. You still have to connect to that thing of, Putting your heart and soul mm-hmm. in the music and creating music and hearing the sound and paying attention to all the musical details, and um, he's really good at how he communicates that. Because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us—I mean, go to Guitar Center. <clears throat> yeah, you just that's, hear guys. They'll yeah. pick up shit and they'll play their licks and they'll just kind of—they're you know, like—they're not even paying attention to what they're playing because like something else is like more important in their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's a, that's a really good a good piece of advice because yeah. we do that as guitarists everybody
2: yeah. everybody guitarists Doodles. and everybody i don't care if you're a piccolo player or a tuba player you do it yeah. you mean if anybody says they don't do it they're lying but you got to try and like live to the ideal of not doing
1: yeah it. that's, that's it. why i tell a lot of my students and even try to do it myself is that when you start a solo Start it with one or two notes and limit yourself to those one or two notes so that you get into the vibe of playing rhythmically, mm. you know, and playing like, uh, 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 what do you call it, conversationally with your guys, just with those couple of notes. Right, And least it gets space. you into the, s- the space in your head where you're going to play your whole solo like that when you start playing more notes, you know. And then that way it, it, it tends to be less about you playing your licks and more about you playing something brand new that's never been played before, and of course, of course, you're going to play your licks because everybody does. Yeah. But at least it gets you in the mindset of trying to come up with some new material based on conversation with your band guys, rather than just going into your vocabulary of licks and chops right. and, well, lines yeah, and stuff. Right. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's, that's great that's advice. That's totally
2: yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You have your licks, and the reason you have them is you love them. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we're, we're, we have a tendency to put down our vocabulary as if it's like meaning. You know, it's like uncreative shit. I mean, we worked on that shit because we love it. But at the same time, really, we're gonna get to that. You There's just no way to avoid it. You've practiced it. You love it. It's a part of you. You know, you're gonna get there. Don't be in a hurry to get there. Mm, yeah. Look for other things first. You know, I mean, definitely. I'm, I'm like Scott. Like if I take a solo. The first thing I do is either is take the phrase from what just happened, whether somebody solo before me, then I've got that. If uh, there's a song I just played, the last phrase of the song, but then there are times where, you know, that gets boring after a while. I mean, Mm. people, you know, it starts to become this continuity game. So you want to have a Tourette's moment. Yeah. You want to just like, ah, fuck, shit, you know, and start (laughs) off there and go there. I mean, that's part of the imagination. You know, I mean, it's not just playing stuff. It's also having an idea of what it is you want to do. Mm, yeah. Because that's, a lot of guys just mindlessly play. Oh, it's my turn to play. I'll play my shit. No, you're really, you're part of the song. You're solo, I guess we'll call it, is providing a purpose. You know, you've played a melody. It's established a mood. You're going to play, and, or somebody else will play. Whenever you do play, it's going to come from something and go to something. So, like being aware of that and then having an idea of what you want that to be to bridge that space and time really helps you be creative. Yeah. You know, and yeah. therefore, when you're creative, the people around you are responding to creative energy and they're playing better. You know, I mean, it, it exponentially helps the music.
1: Mm-hmm. It's That's- kind of like the balance between real thought and muscle memory. Yeah. You know, because your muscle memory is going to kick in sooner or later anyway. And you're going to be playing all this shit you've played a million times before. But the the more you can get away from that the better. You know, so so we were talking about sounds and, you know, every time you have a new sound, it
0: inspires something new. That
1: really should inspire you yeah. to to not play something that you played before cuz the sound is telling you you got to play stuff that fits the sound. sound yeah. it, it, it's not, you know, the, it, the sound should be controlling you, not you know, and telling you that, you know, you, you exist in this sonic place right now, so you have to do stuff that fits it. And, uh, yeah, that's, Did, that's what's fun, I guess, about overdubbing and layering and stuff like that, because when you get a sound, that makes you think of something that you would have never thought of if you didn't have that sound right. going yeah. for you.
0: Did you, did you walk away from the album with a new favorite pedal or a new, like, oh, I love this? God, pedal. there's
1: so many. You know, because remember we were talking about that, uh, that, that website, uh, Knobs? Oh uh, yeah. I thought that yeah. was a porno site.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's,
3: a,
1: it's actually a It is a porno site. It's a porno uh, site for pedal guys, that's uh, for okay. sure because that, those videos are porn for pedal guys because they're made so well. You know, you've seen some of those videos, right? How they how they put little props up and they and they uh and they describe the pedal and cu- with, with they have a lot of humor in the way they're describing it and stuff like there that. There must be
2: some app where you can like plug into it and kind of hear a basic it would demo be cool, right yeah. well th- th- this this i guess it's just this this too compressed.
1: is that i oh, guess okay. because you know they they just start out you know you pick any particular pedal and you know have you have a range of varieties from like distortion to delay type to looping to granular and do they play through it like with what? a
2: strat and a tele and a les paul and a 335 no, no you
1: never see a guy with a guitar Oh, you okay. know, it's just pictures of the pedal and sometimes little dolls around it and stuff uh-huh. or just whatever they choose to use as props for this. And particular then they play memo. something and they move the knobs so, they you, move the knob so you can see what it does uh-huh. and stuff. Cool. And, um, and then they'll make a joke about it. It's like, geez, I bet you wish you heard. You were not going to be able to unhear that <laughs> and, and stuff like that. You know, it's just very, it's just put together in a funny way in a really N- knobs.com. Um, yeah. It, Put together in a really funny way. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: That's a great picture. Yeah. So so um yeah, I ended up ordering a bunch of those guys and, and um I don't really have any particular one that I like the most. But the thing that that I realize is they're all so damn unpredictable. Because, oh really? Yeah, like they're really art pedals. That right. he, it's not something where you just oh yeah, you know, here's the amount of gain and here's the distortion and here's the tone. <laughs> like all these knobs really interact with each other. So you move one thing one way, it's almost w- what I found frustrating, it's almost impossible to make the same sound happen again. Wow, on some of them. Yeah. Or to, to make the same thing happen again because a lot some of these pedals <coughs> are loop yep. oriented. Yeah. And I guess one of the hardest things that I found Was that if you're going to use a loop with a pedal, there's no way... Well, they say you can MIDI sync it Mm. to what the tempo of your tune... I wasn't able to do that. Maybe I was just doing it wrong. or Every right. time I tried to do it, I would lose the loop I had in the first place. <laughs> and it was just really frustrating. So what I in, ended up doing a lot was using tap tempo oh, okay. with my foot. Yeah. And just trying to get as close as I could to the tempo <laughs> of the tune and get something that finally fit in there yep. and try to squeeze it in. And then once it's in there, time stretch it a little bit or do whatever I had to do yep.
0: to make it fit.
1: But you can imagine how time-consuming
0: all that shit is. Oh my god, Just, man! How many layers? Like, what was the song that had the? Or what is? How many layers was the most song?
1: I, I can't really remember, but there's um, there's a lot. It's there's a lot. Yeah. And who mixed it? Um, who? Alan, Alan Hertz.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And yep. then
1: Kenzie did some really cool electronic percussion for me cool on it. he's got a lot he's got a lot of sounds going yeah um and they're not the cool thing is they're not midi sounds they're like they're percussive, percussive sounds yeah so they're they're organic type of sounds not synthy sounding so um
0: now when yeah. when you mastered it was that when you run it onto tape or was that
1: yeah he puts it on tape first before he eqs it and he did very little in the way of EQ. He wow. didn't really mess with it too much. Right. But He's one of those guys, he doesn't like to make records really bright. Because yep. if you listen to most records, if you listen to it at medium volume, it sounds fine. But if you turn it up, then it's just so bright that it cuts your head off. Yeah. And then you end up having to turn the treble down. on. And, and most people agree that on most stereo systems, it, it's it sounds better when you boost treble than when you cut it. Yeah. So the idea that Joe has is that if a record's too dark, that's what your treble knob is for on your stereo. Just turn up the treble. Yeah. Or turn up the bass. Yeah. So, you know, when things sound natural, like the way people record them with microphones, everything sounds a little bit mid-rangey. You know? But I, I think most mastering engineers figure, or at least Joe figures, that most people have their stereo set on the smiley face yeah you know boosting the bass and boosting the treble and then it sounds like what you expect it to sound like like every other record yeah you know and one of the things that i really learned a lot making this record was um about mixing and just in general was comparing so many different mixes from so many different genres like we listen, and I don't want to mention some names, but some of these records sound like dog shit. Like, if you ever listen to Heavy Weather, if you listen to the mix, you will just go, "What were they smoking when they missed this record?" Because the drums are pretty much mixed out of the picture. <laughs> there's no bass drum. You know, right. Jocko's bass is so mid-rangey that there's really no bass on the record at all. If you want there to be bass, you have to put it in your stereo system and jack the bass up all the way. Right. Same thing with Donald Fagan, The Nightfly. If you listen to that record, you can hear like uh, um, Anthony Jackson way back, back <laughs> in the background, and there's absolutely no bass. Right. No uh, EQ'd bass on the record. So in order to make that record sound good, you have to crank the bass. bass. And Tower of Power. Yeah, I always wondered, like, why does everybody make such a big deal of Rocco Prestia when you can't hear him on the records?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, going, he's so soft on the records. It's like he's really not even there. Yeah. But if you crank the bass, it grabs hold of that frequency, and then you can you can start you start hearing what he's yeah. playing. Yeah. But not without jacking up the bass you can't hear it
0: what what did you listen to where you're just like oh fuck this is amazing bonnie rate isn't that good yeah which yeah. her latest stuff or you went a lot, back...
1: a lot a lot of stuff yeah you know for some reason her albums just sound so
0: great her yeah. latest albums i i listened to it a lot it's so good that's a good
1: sounding record yeah. all of her stuff guitars is. sound fucking guitars awesome sound great just everything sounds great who and produces then, her stuff I'm not sure. Yeah,
2: I don't
1: I'm know. not sure. You
0: look it up. But oh. uh Heron, Heron and Robert Heros Plant sound good. And um yeah. Alison Krauss stuff, that's really good I didn't too. listen
1: to that, but we did listen to um we listened to Bonnie Raitt, we listened to some Beyonce, not that that helped very much because <laughs> the subs. Right. Like, yeah. And, and, you know, we listened to Vibe Station, and, and I started to really hear the difference between doing a record with a five-string bass player as opposed to doing a record with oh, a four-string wow. bass player. Yeah. And how much cleaner it sounds with four-string. And nothing against Travis Carlton, because he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah. I love his playing. But, man, sometimes when he got on that fifth string... Things would just go ape shit. Wow! And we'd have to really EQ a lot of the low subs yep. out of the music because it just got out of control. Right. Yep. You know. And um, Alan used to complain sometimes. You can imagine if you're playing on stage and you've got a bass problem on stage with like bass frequencies where they're overtaking everything. Yeah. It's way worse with a five-string guy than it is it with a four-string, four-string guy. guy. Yeah. Once he gets on that low string, well, to, <laughs> everything goes nuts.
0: How to say this yeah. Beyonce, the newest stuff like Beyonce and stuff like that, where it's all sub, I mean... That's the kind of shit, when I listen to it in my car, it just blows the speakers out of have doors.
1: And you have to turn the bass way down, or else you'll just fuck up your speakers. I guess it's made for discos with with... Yeah. it's made for big rooms with big huge sub speakers and 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 the idea is to get all that bass thumping and make you want to dance
0: I imagine the kids don't hear a lot of the details <laughs> maybe they yeah. hear a lot of the sub
1: well you hear you hear a lot sub of sub and vocals you hear the the details if you just turn the bass down and then you can then you hear all the upper s- frequency stuff that sounds great but um just listening to like all these vintage records like deep purple led zeppelin um how how loud the guitar is mm. and you go wow nobody mixes guitar that loud these days
0: no, right no way no. you
1: never get away with it and and um and then we started you know we were listening to cuz there's like a jazz tune on the record that's that's swing yeah so we listened to a lot of swing stuff and i was just blown away by how People bury the bass wow. on their records. Yeah, you can hardly hear it at all. And if it's there, it's only there in frequency. Yeah. Good yeah. luck hearing the notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because they're just not. They, they not don't big. exist. Yeah. Yeah. And and I find that um, we listen to a lot of vintage records, and then we listen to some modern guitar players, and how they mix the acoustic bass on their record. Right and we just couldn't believe it. Yeah,
0: It's like the bass is just, you just, it's gone. It just, it's just taking up space, but no definition, right? It's
1: taking up space, it's providing some low end, but if you had to transcribe it, the only way you'd be able to transcribe it is click it up a few notches in speed, like mm. an octave higher, yeah. and then you'd hear it. Right. But there's no way you could transcribe it at the tempo that, and the, and the pitch that it's in now. Yeah. It's just missing, it's wow. not there. The, only the frequency is there, but the notes, forget about it. Never hear them. Seal and has always been like,
0: really good wow. with his stuff too. Uh-huh. Some, of, some of his I don't stuff. know
1: that music. We, we didn't have him to listen to. Um, we did listen to um, some Kurt Rosenwinkel, mm-hmm. and that sounded pretty good. Yep. Like like you know like the, the bass and drums, you could hear them. The notes on the bass, acoustic bass, were defined and it sounded, and so kind of used that as a, okay, this is the way we should handle this because it sounded pretty mixed. Not on everything, but on, we found a couple really good examples of, yeah, this is what it should sound like, you know, where you can hear, the you can hear it, yeah, yeah. It's not just a bunch of, yeah, yeah. Did you do it? Imagine it must be hard to record an acoustic bass. You know, uh, yeah. Oh, it's it really, really hard. It's it must really hard. Be hard. But
2: also, to be honest with you, the way people mix becomes problematic uh-huh. with the acoustic bass. You know, what people expect to hear—the presence of the bass—and then the dominate, the way the bass dominates sound mm-hmm. in a lot of styles of music, mm-hmm. particularly Fender bass, mm-hmm. you know, electric bass, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that is like people are, you know, you don't, even in real life, you don't hear the bass. Mm-hmm. You feel the bass. It's it's sort of like a blended sound that kind of, particularly if there is a drums too. Mm-hmm. There, it's like as if the ride cymbal is the top half and the bass is the bottom half of a unified sound. Mm-hmm. It's not an actual like, Particularly like, oh, I can hear exactly what that guy's doing, all the nuance of it. That's not the point of that instrument. Mm -hmm. That point is like about moving air, not about like being a guitar an octave lower. Exactly. And so people, when they get in the studio, they have this problem of generally where to lay... Um, that continuum of that, and generally they err on the side of trying to make it more present. Mm -hmm. So that means they take a lot of the bottom out of it and and go for the mid-range of it, and a lot of times they'll use those pickups that those basses have, and those never sound good, Mm -hmm. particularly on a record. They sound okay kind of in the club because by the time you're 20 feet away from a lot of that nasal clanginess that's in those pickups is gone. But if you're right on the stage next to a bass amp, it's not a particularly pleasing sound. As opposed to hearing the bass acoustically, Mm -hmm. so um, and you know a lot of guys refuse to use amps and just make people put mics. They even carry their own mics. Acoustic
1: bass players they don't use amps. Right, right,
2: right. and or they'll bring a mic and they'll plug that mic into an amp. amp. Mm -hmm. And and of course, it drives sound men crazy because there's just no way they can get definition on it yeah. The more they turn it up, the more it becomes and not you know like you have to you have to understand that the bass is not as loud as all the other instruments right. in in acoustic bass and and that's I think a sound man has just got this idea that everything has to be heard and of the similar level you know what i mean and 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 so yeah. it's 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 just not an instrument that's really. F- and none of no acoustic instrument is particularly friendly that's in a studio. That's, that's an art instead. form
0: to Michael that shit and to well, get it recorded. even a good even
1: just an, even electric bass of absolutely was the hardest thing about mixing, uh. and it always has been, right? Because, um, like you take a a guy like Romaine, who I'm playing with now, mm-hmm. he's a jazz bass player, right? So he's not a studio pop guy. So his first priority is to be creative not to make every single note sound exactly the volume of the note even even, you get studio guys guys that can do that studio guys are very very conscious of how hard they're picking and they want to make everything sound even to make it easy on the engineer Mm -hmm. dude i had to go through every single tune and do rides on every goddamn phrase, <laughs> Fuck, you yeah. know, no, because you can only compress it so much and then yeah. it starts sounding unnatural. Right. Start so the compression it. helps, yeah, but you know, there's still like, huh? What? Well, how come this phrase is just completely missing? Yeah. And it has a lot to do with what string he played it on. There are louder strings than other strings. So if all of a sudden here's a phrase and I just go... Jesus Christ, he played it, but I don't even hear it. So yeah. we'd have to grab that phrase and automate it up. Yeah. And I had to go through every single song and every single bass wow. track. It's yeah, a lot of work. Autom- it is a lot of work. That's why we <laughs> spent 10 days on the mix. Yeah. Because we had to take every bass phrase and, oh, this these, these notes are really sticking out too much. I don't mind when shit pops out. I'm not trying to make a conservative mix. I don't give a fuck when shit Stuff pops out, right? Hits you, but you but want when people you to hear can't it. Hear it at all? Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I know he's playing these notes, but what are they? And then, and then you start bringing it up, and you bring it up like two dBs until it's too loud, and then bring it down a half a dB, and then, okay, there it is. And and of course, you make mistakes. And yeah. You, you go, okay, it sounds good now, but then the next day it doesn't. And next day, oh, we should have, you know, we, we went too far with that. Just bring it down another half a dB. And it's like uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> drives you crazy, and it's yeah. mainly about bass. The bass is the hardest thing yeah. to fit in there, whereas the guitar kind of like it's already compressed because of all the distortion. It just there's not a whole lot of riding to do on guitar like there is bass. And guitar,
2: it if clean. it pops, that's in the natural na- yeah. because it's the yeah. nature of the instrument and the and yeah. the actual frequencies sp- part of the yeah, frequency nice. spectrum. Yeah. It it's the in. only
1: thing you end up doing with guitar sometimes is when you play a note that's just really squawky and it makes a horrible tone. One one of the things that I love about digital performer and I guess this is true for most DAW's modern ones is that you can take a note out of a phrase and just clip it out of the phrase and EQ it. Yeah. And just add EQ just to that one note. So like if one note is sticking out with this horrible tone that like pierces your ear and makes you like wince, then you can just take that note like cut about two dB a ten k off yep. of it, right, and then put it back, and then you don't have to replay the whole phrase because of one horrible one note. note yeah. You know, so that I use that a lot. That right. was very helpful because sometimes you know guitar, you just pick a note the wrong way, and it just comes out sounding just hideous you know and the rest of the phrase is fine but this one note usually the
0: highest one <laughs> you know, did, comes did out you like, ah. did you um did you do your, your standard Scott Henderson miking techniques or did you play with some different
1: I, I experiment a little bit you know move the mic a little further back from the cabinet on some rhythm parts yeah. and, and uh I have a small recording room, so there's not a lot I can do. It's it's not like you know in a big studio where you can move the mic ten feet back from the cabinet. You get this wonderful ambience. It doesn't work in a thirteen by (laughs) thirteen.
0: What do you? I I recently read some sound heavy like mixer guys in recording studios where they say you know what I don't want to hear a fifty seven ride on a speaker because that's not where my ear is when I listen to guitar. I listen to it further back.
1: I, that might be true in a big room, right? but in a small room, you really have no choice but to close mic the speaker right? because if you don't, you get the horrible tanky sound of the room, of the room. and then everything's ruined. So
0: in a great room, that is that is the ultimate. Probably true, be, yeah. but
1: you know what I usually see guys do in big rooms is they mic the speaker close up mm-hmm. and then they have a room mic about five feet away right. and they mix them. Yeah. And they yeah. and and real engineers are the guys that are really good know how to solve those phasing problems. Mm-hmm. Like I heard one guy talk about, um, you flip the phase on one of the mics, right, and then you compare them. And when you hear, I might be a little off. This might be not completely technically correct, but the idea mm-hmm. is that when you listen to them and you mo- you move the microphone. this is a two man operation so one guy's playing and the other guy is out there moving the mic and when he finally moves it to a place where the bass is completely gone then you know it's in the right place and then you flip the phase and then you've got a way you can mix those two mics and they usually use maybe like 70% of the closed mic and 30% of the the room mic that's what we did on Dog Party yeah Yep. And it sounds nice, yep. you know, because we were in a huge, big wooden room and it was wonderful. And T.J. Helmrich, who's a great engineer, he always told me, listen to the room mic by itself. If it sounds good, it's adding to your tone. If it right, sounds like fake. shit, it's, <laughs> it's taking fake. away from your." And a room mic in my little place. And do you ever have terrible. trouble with phasing, yeah. though? But I don't do it. I just use one mic. Uh, See, okay. I,
0: I never do it. When mixing his... Um, live album in here where we had a bunch of mics I actually found a friend put me onto this plug-in called Auto Align and uh-huh. it fixes you put it on every channel uh-huh. and it measures and it fixes all the phasing oh, automatically cool. it was really? amazing oh that's it was like awesome 150 bucks and it took care of all the phasing I have never heard of that that's such it's, a great it's idea a new, it was only new, a matter of time before yeah. somebody
1: tried to fix that problem it's
0: amazing and it will, it'll I guess measure the sound or something on each Channel. That's a great idea. It's auto align. It was really cool. I use that on on everything.
1: Too bad I couldn't fix my playing. Uh, (laughs) You you have to have the play good pedal for that. You turn it up. The further you turn it up, the better you play. Ah. You want to turn it to the left, you play really bad. Oh, okay. Does anybody ever really do that? I
2: have mine up. On full all the time, and I still sound not so good. No, so, you I, know, I man, can't... You, you the need pedal to, doesn't really
1: work that well. You
2: need you need to spend more money to get a better... Get the, Maybe the, if I had five of them turned need, up to 10. Yeah, you need to get the EX or the whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah. The plus.
2: Yeah. But, now, no, I'm a one-mic
1: guy. You're a a you are a one-mic guy. So is Landau. Yep. Like, he's 157, done.
0: And But what are you running? Right. What's your signal chain? 57 into... Just, um,
1: well... Uh, um, guitar into the uh, pedal and then to the amp and into the cabinet. Are you getting a, a nice 57. mic pres? Yeah, I do have a nice mic pre, a Neve you're right. 1073.
3: 1073.
1: You know, yep. it's funny how you, you, you're you using a $100 mic and then you got a $2,000 mic, mic pre, pre. But that does make a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, if you've got yeah. a good mic pre, it even makes a 57 sound better than it actually is. Yeah. Because yeah. a 57 is a pretty nasty sounding mic as far as the high end. And when you go to get a good mic pre on it, it smooths out all that top end, especially when you run it at 300 ohms. Yeah. It takes the mic and makes it sound like a nice, expensive well,
2: mic.
0: No, but why don't you just have a nice, expensive mic? I don't
2: And think, run it through a good pre.
1: Yeah. I haven't found one, and I've tried a lot of mics, but I've never found one I like as much as a 57. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, I think if you'd ask the majority of rock guitar players, they'd probably tell you the same, same thing. Same thing, yeah. You hear yeah. it all the time because the Neumann mics um, are mainly made for vocals. Yeah. So they're really mid-rangey and honky sounding because mm-hmm. the idea a voice is generally a scooped thing. Yep. You know, you got bass and you got treble, but there's nothing in the middle. So they use a Neumann on a vocalist to to get all that fatness and to make the voice sound really fat, a human voice sound really fat. Right. When you put that on a guitar that already does have a lot of mid range, you get honk. Right. I I can think of a few guys like Holsworth, who used like a Neumann eighty seven, but he was using eights. Mm. So the thinner the string, the thinner the sound, and the more you might need like one of those vocal mics to to make, the fatten right. it up.
2: Yep. But if you're using
1: 10s or 11s, you don't really need a...
2: Or 14s. Yeah, 14s. 14, <laughs> 14. <laughs> 14s, yeah, I
1: don't think you need a Neumann <laughs> for that. <laughs>